Well, there you have another episode of Straight Out of Combat Radio, audio medicine by Green Zone Hero. This combat veteran has been on our show before. He's an innovator. He's creative. He is the consummate storyteller. His name is Peter Turner, and I am humbled and honored to have him on the show again. He is doing some great things in the field of podcasting. And I got to tell you, this episode gets a little emotional at the end, but you're going to love it. And thank you very much for listening again to Straight Out of Combat Radio. Your steely eyed killer shadow in the night. You were born to fight. You gotta light them up. My name is John Krotek, and I want to welcome you to Straight Out of Combat Radio, audio medicine by Green Zone Hero. We're here to honor the wisdom of America's most valuable asset for combat veterans. We're authentic, we're empowering, we're American. Save us all before they burn it down. Really? Yeah. All right, go ahead and tell me whenever you want to start and we'll... Uh, I'm rolling. I can go ahead. I'm ready. Our guest for this episode of Straight Outta Combat Radio, Radio Medicine by Green Zone Hero, is Mr. Pete Turner. Uh, He's been on our show before. In fact, I think he was on episode 31, and uh, he's a brilliant guy. He does all the editing for our show, but even more than that, he's a true blue Army veteran who's also done some things in the uh, contracting uh, industry in the war zone, Uh, but he 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 puts out quality work, and we're going to have fun today with this show. I'll tell you a little bit about him, then we'll get going. He's actually a former Army spy, and, you know, we can talk a little bit about that. But he's engaged himself in over a thousand combat patrols in enemy territory. And one thing that Pete did, which makes him so brilliant, is he was able to go into enemy territory and talk to these warlords who pretty scary guys in and of themselves. But he was able to gain their trust to gather intel so he could help the mission on the ground. Uh, He actually worked with Taliban leaders and Al Qaeda leaders. And I mean, those are some scary hombres, but Pete was able to use his, his persona to gain that trust. When he got back from combat, he took those abilities that he learned there uh, and he started consulting companies on culture and on building radio podcasts, which is what we're doing here today. And he's been instrumental in helping us build this show straight out of combat. But uh, he, has, he reaches millions of listeners. He has interviewed some incredible people. Uh, he also has his own show, The Break It Down Show and Popping the Bubble, where he talks about technology, but also what other people are doing in the podcast space and in their businesses. And, you know, we, we don't know what we're going to do with this show. Pete and I have been talking about it. We changed some things up last week. The last episode, we talked about freedom uh, specifically. And I think what we're in for today is just a good, clean conversation about maybe podcasting and about freedom in America and the things that we hold near and dear to our hearts. So without any further ado, Army veteran, Army spy, podcast host, a guy that knows all about building trust in some pretty crazy territory, uh, Mr. Pete Turner. Thanks, Pete, for being here again. Yeah, it's my pleasure to come on. I always enjoy hanging out and talking with you. We have really great conversations offline, so it's good to have one that where we capture capture what we're talking about because there's some exciting things on the horizon for us. I couldn't agree with you more. You know, you and I, you know, you've been at the podcast uh, game or profession. Well, it's kind of a game, but it's 
it's becoming more more of a profession and you have interviewed some brilliant people we've been talking for the last couple of years now and you've been, you've really helped me to focus in on the show and you've made the show so much better um, before we get there tell us a little bit about your brief background brief military and then let's get into talking about maybe the podcast space yeah sure uh, so i joined the army in the mid 90s and i was a counterintelligence agent and i i had the uh when i joined the army was sort of in that that short window of time post uh gulf war you know prior to bosnia and we weren't really sure what we were going to do where we were going to go and so you kind of just did a lot of uh detail work and practicing on your craft that kind of thing and then we deployed to Bosnia, and I had the fortune of being on a good team where I was able to go out all the time. And then by accident, the Army sent me to the school where I could teach other people how to do what I did. So as as the teacher, I got to become the master as I watched all of my peers work through how to get better at working sources. And then uh, I, most, I mostly got out, and I was in the reserves on 9-11, and that, that got me activated for a short amount of time right in uh, October and November of 2001 over in the Middle East. And then uh, uh, I left all of that and decided to come back as a contractor or a federal employee, depending on which era it was. And again, because I was good at collecting, because I had the chops to go out and, and not just go out and find things out, but actually, nav- you know, you can you can go out and anybody can ask questions, but I, I had developed a real capacity for, for doing it. Uh, in a designed, elegant manner where, you know, a lot of other folks just kind of just hammered away and they got there. But uh, but I was always able to outmaneuver them because of my my approach, which was focused on trust and that kind of thing. So I, I've got over 70 months in combat zones and over a thousand combat missions. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, sometimes I shake my head and I'm surprised that I'm still around uh, and, I, and I do everything I can to try to impart those lessons on to the greater military world through academic articles, through the podcast itself. That's not what the podcast is about, but it also can't not be about that because it's it's part of who I am. So I, I tell my stories through the podcast, and, and I have a wide variety of people, and I just continue to try to illustrate life as best as I can. That's awesome. You know, one thing that you said, you know, 70 months in a combat zone. I mean, you know, I think one month would be terrifying, and, you know, and it is, you know, you did make it back safely, thank God. And, and it's interesting because, you know, developing trust and, you know, I hear more and more these days. I know you and I have talked about this, but in the digital age and in business and, you know, what things people are doing, the, the word trust keeps coming up. Sure. And, and you know, the podcast medium or mode of, of communication and storytelling is awesome in and of itself. There's more and more people coming on board and you're right. There's a huge difference in quality, but that trust issue. You know, tell us about, you know, how you were able to gain trust from some of those warlords. What's so it all here's about? The thing about trust is, is the precursor to that is rapport. And when people say, well, establish rapport, that's usually where they stop. I mean, you've been in the sales game. I've been in the sales game. We, we always hear establish rapport. Well, what does that mean? How do I know when I have it? Um, how do I reliably get it in any situation? And I started thinking about those questions and building those things. And I just started cutting out all the deceit that we're all taught to give, especially in my game. You know, like you have to have a code name and you have to have this whole mysterious family that you make up. And I'm like, I'm just not going to, I'm just going to be genuine. These guys, I want them to be genuine with me. I'm going to be genuine with them and not to expose myself to any extra threat, but 
just to look at like, if I can get this done right, my threat will go down. And I was able to do that. So I, I started with that. And the other thing about trust, and this is critical, is that you don't get to decide when they trust you. They do. So you're in their space, you're in their culture, it's on you to slowly figure out and test if you have it. And so you, you can, I can extend trust to them on credit. I, I'm in a stable place. I make plenty of money. I, I don't have the problems they have. So I have a bulk of extra trust and, and that's how our culture works. Their culture doesn't work that way. So I've got to learn how to work their culture and establish trust with them on their terms. And that's a completely different way of looking at it. I get there, it takes longer, but when I'm there, I actually have a deep, provable trust as opposed to what my peers might do, not to be critical of them, but just this is where they're at. When they go, okay, I've got trust with this guy now, I'm gonna do this and this and this. And and that tells me instantly you don't have trust with that person because here's here are the outcomes when you don't have trust. You get things like passive aggressive behavior, you get corruption, you get perceptions of incompetence. So when you hear those things coming back from a, um, a fellow military person, like, ah, my partner won't, won't ever um, cooperate, they won't show up on time, you don't have trust. You gotta slow down and go back to the basic elements. You don't have a foundation built. You're moving too fast. This is a complicated place with, with a complicated culture, complicated religion, complicated language, Slow down, get fewer things right, but get them reliably right and build that foundation and go forward. Yeah, I can understand that for sure, you know, and it is about the rapport and and, and authenticity. And, you know, you do have a mission to do. But, you know, this this raises a good point about the digital age and what we can see in social media. And, you know, you can pretty much be and say – you can be with whoever you want to be and you can say whatever you want. You know, and there's lots of people out there that have businesses that, you know, on appearance, it looks like, holy cow, these people are really, this is an incredible company. This individual has got the, the credentials. I mean, you can even, you can make it so easy to appear to be something that you're actually not. Mm. What can people do? Let's just say you're a veteran and you're in a startup. We, we, we're using veterans because you and I can relate. Yeah. But let's say you're you're in a startup and you're looking for you're looking for video services or podcasting services or marketing. You know, what can a startup do to ensure that the people that they work with are who they say they are? Well, I mean, that just that takes a lot of time and engagement. You know, I, I guess what I would advise is to develop a, a, a critical set of, of elements that you're looking for. And if you don't see those things, um, don't proceed. And, and, and if you think you see them, then proceed and try to validate. But there, there's elements of truth and, and trust that you can establish. Uh, you know, and again, this, a lot of this stuff is sales stuff where you're, just, you're asking more questions. If you're trying to understand somebody, shut up and let them talk and seek to understand who they are. But don't hear the words. Try to understand where they're coming from and spend more time with what they're saying. So when, when they say, X, maybe they don't mean X. Maybe you heard X, but they really said Y. So work on understanding what the actual communication is by by repeating it back to them, by slowing down, by saying, is this how you're trying to say it? And recontextualize it and see if it makes sense to them. And you're likely going to find a common point. What you are going to do if you do that is they will see that you're trying to have a dedicated understanding-based conversation. And, and you'll, it is more deliberate, but you will build a more reliable trust. 
and understanding of who you're trying to work with? That's a good answer. You know, one thing, you know, too, that, that I've heard a lot, and I mean, probably in the last six to eight months, is the veteran space is saturated. Everybody in the last several years has jumped in on it. And then, and I've heard this from more than one organizational leader, my job's more difficult because a lot of those organizations aren't really doing what they say they're going to do. Right. And then, of course, we read publicity about misappropriated funds for nonprofits and, you know, which makes the world almost, you know, we talk about the spy world. It could be almost murky. Yeah. And people want people want to give. How can we protect ourselves from those organizations that maybe aren't necessarily on the up and up? And there's lots of them. There's tens of thousands of nonprofits. And sure. I'm not knocking nonprofits. They do great work. But there's, you know, every now and then you read a story here locally. I think it was Tampa Bay area. Actually, it was a local guy here in Sarasota that built people out of $3 million. Yeah. None of the money went to veterans. You know, I'm, so that yeah. hurts us. You know, some of that you just can't avoid. You know, if that person is willing to go to those ends to burn that many bridges to get that money, then some of that you just can't avoid. But but I think this is when I talk about a testable trust, you know, you have to extend some trust, some low risk trust, and then see if, if the thing you want comes back. So so if I've got someone who's uh, talking to me about a podcast and I'm I'm talking about, you know, what it takes to get there, I challenge them in certain things. And if I don't get the response back that makes sense to me, then that alerts me that there's something there that either I'm missing or, or they're not telling me. And so you're, you're testing that trust. So let me give you an example of low-risk trust. You say, hey, uh, what time? You and I have an appointment here. What time do we want to record next week? Let's do it on Tuesday morning, super early in the morning. Okay, uh, I'll get up at 5 in the morning and make sure I sit down with you, and I expect you to be here. You did. You are here. We have trust. We know that uh, we can go out of our way, bend our schedules to find a time to get together. If I didn't show up, you would be like, well, what the heck? I mean, yeah, it was early. Pete didn't get up. He's on the West Coast. Ah, you know, maybe he slept in. Not that big of a deal. But it would it would hit our trust a little bit. And so when you have these partners that you're looking for things, if they're a charity, you know, like, hey, cut the check. Well, uh, uh, okay, well, I don't want to hear well. Uh, uh, or especially like in the podcast game, like, oh, I have contact with so-and-so. Great. Give me an introduction. Well... Okay, as soon as you hear as soon as you hear that, but well, whatever those words are with the comma and a long silence, there's a problem there. Either you haven't done your work, or they're not really prepared to do what they they they're going to say. Because I'll tell you, for me, if you ask me for an intro, I'm glad to give it. I want to understand what you're doing so that you know when you're using my network, you're not abusing it. So I get to ask a couple of questions. But beyond that, it's my honor, my pleasure to introduce you. Not everybody sees it that way. So you have to spend time to make sure that you guys see this the same way so you can get that introduction that you want. And when it comes to veteran companies, I'm positive that these companies have the intention of helping, but there's not a lot of capacity there. So the passion is there, but the capacity isn't. And I think if I was to guess, and I don't know in all cases, and so I don't want to be unfair, but I think there's a little bit of uncertainty and fear of getting it wrong, of maybe partnering with somebody who's not doing it. And, and I think I can overcome fear if I know it's there. I just have to be able to detect it. And, and it's it's hard because people want to hide fear. 
definitely some great points. And, you know, people do, they do hide fear, you know, and you, so which brings us back around to your show. And, and because you've been able to gain trust and your reputation has grown in the podcast storytelling industry, and it is an industry, uh, there's lots of podcasts out there, but very few quality shows, I think, of course, I'm biased, but, right. you know, tell us, tell us, a, tell us about, you know, one of your, you know, your style and then, you know, about one or two of your favorite interviews. Oh my gosh. Well, first off, we're and about I, to have, have lots of money. Yeah. We're about to hit episode 500 and it'll probably happen right around the time this show comes out. So there's 500 conversations and they're all incredible. I mean, just yesterday I had three different interviews that I did and, and they just constantly blow my mind and they force me to, you know, I push myself with what I know and, and, and what I understand with my guests. And so I, I try to find, not always, but I try to always push the bubble out and find things that make me uncomfortable because that means I'm growing. So, it, you know, it, John, usually it's the most recent ones because they haven't come out yet, and I just can't wait for everybody to hear them. And that and that remains true. Uh, one of the biggest authors of the last twenty years, Robert Greene, who wrote the Forty Eight Laws of Power, among other books, was on my show yesterday, and it was just fantastic to hear him talk about how he wrote this book that's influenced millions of people. I mean, every politician—it's required reading for politicians. You know, it's the modern day Machiavelli book. So. Um, just having that conversation with him and knowing that I need to have more conversations with that guy just because the way his brain works and the fact that he's like, it's okay to use anger as inspiration. You know, he gets mad before he writes. Um, it never occurs to me to do that. So it doesn't mean that I have to use it, but it does illustrate a tool that I might use at some point or or try and see if I can master it. So just, just by having that, I now have access to the to anger as a writing mechanism and uh, I just think that's, those things are invaluable. So yeah, I, I'm fortunate to have a lot of shows, which, you know, and honestly, between you and I and the work that we do together, I, I don't, there's no podcast that has more content between us combined because we're, we're over 600 episodes, you and I, you know, um, the quality of the guests, you've had Rocky Blyer, I've had Stuart Copen from the police, you know, whatever you need, you can get between the two shows that we do. So the Break It Down show is one of the leading veteran-produced shows in the world. And uh, there are other shows out there. They're all notable. They're all great. And there's no problem with those. But the show that I've built is is a, it's a fantastic show. And I'm just, I'm super proud of it. And, and I share it with a lot of co-hosts. I have a lot of different people come on. And um, it's really become bigger than just my show. It's more like our show. That's awesome. And, you know... You know, if there's an aspiring podcast host out there <laughs> like myself, yeah. <laughs> is there is there some kind of uh, is there a tip or something that you do personally? You know, obviously trust is huge, but is there is there a tip that you can give to somebody that maybe wants to think about podcasts? Yeah, I mean, there's things you just have to better do. Their show? Yeah. yeah, you just ha you have to learn how to slow down. You have to slow your brain, slow your speech, slow the guest. And just because you have to work at the pace that the audience can hear and comprehend. And you have to figure out what that means for you. And so you don't go fast. Yes, you get excited. And, and I always struggle with going too fast. But the reality is if I can slow down, if I can get comfortable with silence and leave gaps, the guest is going to fill in a lot of the work for me. So these are these silent questions. So I always say slow down to the point where you're like, that's too slow. 
and then speed up from there to right where you need to be in the sweet spot. But it's significantly slower than what you think you need as an emerging host. Definitely some good tips, you know, and, and what's interesting, and I know you hit upon this before, you know, every interview is a little bit different Yeah, because you have that feeling out period at the, at the, at the beginning. And I know you've told me this before, there's always like a five or a 10 minute part of the show where the person that you're interviewing actually really starts to open up yeah. and that's the meat of the show. Yes. Yeah, that that's what you're looking for. You know, I I liken it to like riding a horse without a saddle, because the horse doesn't <laughs> want the saddle. And so when the horse is kind of galloping, but then when you find that topic and the horse takes off, I just let the reins go easy, and I'm trying to get that horse to stay on that excited path. Because you're right, that's where the gold is. And 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 if they start to slow down, you circle back to that spot where they took off. And you go through it again and get more richness out of it because because time is not linear in a podcast. It's the topic that you want. So once you get into a topic, like I'll give you an example. We had an actor. His name's Bren Foster, and he's on the show The Last Ship. So super notable guy. And everybody wants to talk with acting with him. But he's also a mixed martial artist. He has four different black belts. Once he started wow. talking about fighting the show accelerated by a thousand miles an hour and we didn't need to talk about acting anymore because what lit him up, what opened him up completely was talking about martial arts. That's awesome. We're talking the army veteran and spy Pete Turner of the break it down show and pop the bubble podcast on the West coast. Pete does all the uh, editing and some of the direction for our own show here at straight out of combat radio. You know, Pete, what, what do you tell us? Give us the 50,000 foot view. What are you trying to do with your podcast and what kind of legacy would you like to leave? You know, 500 interviews and they're, and they're growing. Yeah. Tell us what you're doing. You know, it's a good question because, um, I was talking to someone the other day, like, you know, you, you act small, but you think big and what the thing about this industry is it's so emerging. There's so many different paths I've had to learn to accept that the value comes in a lot of different forms. You know, I've, I've, you and I are friends. Like, like I want to go out to Florida and see you kind of friends because of the show, but also any number of the guests that I have are, are people that are, are my friends that I interact with constantly. And so I, I, that was an outcome I wasn't expecting and I wouldn't want to, to not have that outcome. So I'm open to where the future takes me. I can see that storytelling in some form or fashion is in the future, but I can't quite see through the you know, the mist that's out there. Will it be podcasting? Probably, yeah, continuing on to do this, but I think there's other things. Maybe it's documentaries. Maybe it's more formulaic podcasts. Maybe it's movies. Maybe it's you know TV. I don't know, but there's there are so many people in the story game. Being able to show that you can tell stories is is a is a monetizable skill. So I, I think where the show is, is the show's going to continue to generate a ton of opportunity. And I have to be willing to, to see those opportunities and decide which of them I'm going to pursue and which I'm not. I mean, just yesterday, another opportunity came out to work with someone on a project. I, I don't know if we'll figure it out or not, but it sure is exciting. And it's something I would love to do if I can find the time and capacity to do it. So the future is uh, continuing to let the show figure out what it's, it's going to do and slow down long enough to go, this is a great opportunity, this is a great opportunity, and just keep connecting new people together. 
man, it's it's been a magical networking and marketing tool. My show, so I uh, I don't want to tell it what to do. I want to. It's been pretty smart on its own, and I'm going to continue to just do that. And and with that already, I'm so fulfilled and overjoyed with it, John. I I just I can't wait to talk to people on my show all the time. It just blows my mind. That's awesome, and that's why you're having such great success. So let's just say I'm in Des Moines, Iowa, okay. and I'm a CEO. Well, I forget Des Moines. We love Des Moines, but let's just say I'm a CEO of a Fortune 500 company, Okay, and, and I'm looking at differentiation tools to, to, to get us more exposure or to raise our brand, create more positive brand recognition. What can a CEO do or marketing or community outreach person do with a podcast? Tell us how it can help. Oh, my gosh. I mean, just just think about this. Like, let's just say that I'm talking to a CEO and they're trying to figure out podcasting. Well, first off, you don't have to do a thing. You can just cut a check. And then, like in the case of my show, you would have access to four episodes a week. You could take them and make them into other products or not. You could just say... This is Company X's Break It Down show. You know, and now four times a week at a minimum, I'm going to be tweeting out, you know, and Instagramming out and Facegramming out the name of your company plus my show. And people are going to get a chance to do that. And the example I use with this is Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. You know, that, that was an insurance company that was attached to that great nature show. But you, you yeah. know it as Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. So it just... It, the familiarity is through the roof with that company. And when, when you go to, you, they slide that, that proposal across the table and you see that letterhead, you're like, oh yeah, that's right. You guys have that show about cheetahs with Marlon Perkins. So there's that angle. But the other angle is, is as everybody's trying to figure out how to grab attention and, and industries are being disrupted, if you're not playing in the game of, if, you're in, if you want more attention and more familiarity, you have to say that first, then a podcast is a good way to do it because you have the ability to create content every day. And it doesn't have to be super expensive. It's, a, it's percentage points, like 10% cheaper than doing, say, a commercial. Like one commercial in the year that you, to produce, right? Forget about buying airtime. For that, that cost, for a fraction of that, you could make a, a year's worth of podcasts, you know, conceivably, depending on what your capacity is. So when that CEO is trying to figure out how to do things, well, figure out what stories you want to tell. And if you don't know that, find a host who can go and figure it out for you and put them to work and then just start to, to, to connect with your community. And then here's the thing that modern companies miss a lot. If your audience, if your customers are engaging with you, engage back. Be the, the, we had a guy, Mark Schaefer on, the most human company is going to win. You know, my audience is not massive. It's not a million people. I don't have 100,000 things here and that. But when I hear people say those things to me, like I have 100,000 followers on Instagram, that's great. How many of them can you say, go here and do this? Like, can you deploy that asset? Can you present to them a product like a book like I can on my show and then have guests take pictures with their copy of it after they bought it? That's a totally different thing. And I, as a CEO, I want more people that love my brand and that know that, that we care about them. I mean, there's any number of brands around I'm like this, this company clearly does not care about me. You know, they, they have a contract. They believe they fulfilled it. I'm left thinking they're a bunch of jerks. That can't be the CEO's intention. So you have to find a way to be more humanized. And I think with a podcast, creating content 
and and actually engaging with that audience more than just sending out a blasted message. Um, yeah, I, I know that that's going to help increase their uh, their familiarity and their ability to control the affect that they create. If you can create the affects that you want with your podcast or any of your operations, you'll win because the effects will follow the affects. I like that. You know, a couple of things you brought to mind here. One of them is the humanization, you know, through the storytelling and through the podcast medium. And, you know, in this digital age, you know, we hear all the time in our efforts to connect, we've actually become more disconnected. Right. And I'm glad that you mentioned that humanistic side, because I have heard that the companies that can humanize the, their their businesses are going to be the ones that, that go to the next level. Yeah. Now, some, something, too, about the podcast, and I know we've talked about this, is the podcast, and I think you taught me this, actually, <laughs> is the podcast is an evergreen. Yeah. Explain that. Explain that. Well, as much as possible, you, you want to have content that will be relevant two, three, four years, 10 years down the line. You know, we've had Nate Boyer on our show. Whenever Nate Boyer comes up in a conversation because of his connection with Colin Kaepernick, I can take those episodes and go, you want to hear what he actually said? Here it is. Here's an episode. This is a germane topic today. So, you know, that topic, that show, there's two of them that I've had with him because that topic evolves. But we're able to use that and then say, you know, this this continues to work. You have a conversation about where someone like uh, we had Andy Summers from the police on the show and we asked him about where he's at now. You know, so everybody's asked him about his police time with the police. But what's he doing now? Where as an artist, where is he at? Because he's obviously brilliant at this. Well, people will always want to hear more from Andy Summers, and we have something that's not him and Sting fighting. We didn't ask him, when's the police reunion going to happen? We asked him questions about who he is and where he's at now, and I'll tell you right now, there is no better interview with Andy Summers in the last 25 years than ours. I've looked. It does not exist. We have something that will be relevant for the next 20 years if you are in any way interested in the police and Andy Summers' work. That's awesome. And, you know, and again, you hit upon it, you know, the humanization uh, of the of the storytelling element. You know, one thing, too, is that companies need to also realize that podcast or anything that we're doing, you know, with Green Zone Hero or any of the projects that we come on aboard, it's it's not the silver bullet to immediate success. Right. That the podcast is another element, another tool, if you will, a modern digital tool that a comp- it's still going to take an effort on the sponsor too, to be part of that process as you build out the show for them. Oh yeah. I mean, this is one of the biggest problems I have with the clients that I have is they want the capacity and I'm like, okay, but you still have to do the work or or pay someone to do the work. Like if you're not the biggest fan of your own show, well then why would anybody else be a fan of your show? Everybody should know about it. It should be easily accessible. You, you should be talking about it. Like, we're so proud of this show that we have. Have you guys heard this week's show? Oh, my God. You know, and if you're not out there championing your own podcast, then how are you going to build that audience? You know, you have to earn an audience, a real audience. You have to earn it. You might grab them with some flash, that kind of thing, and maybe they'll listen for three minutes. And people tell me all the time, oh, people don't want to hear an hour-long show. They don't. I got people that drive more than an hour each way to work. You know what they don't want to hear is the radio. They want to hear a podcast. They want to be taken away from that car. They want to learn something. They want to have an interaction. They want to be part of a conversation that is impossible to create anywhere else in the, uh, in the, in the podosphere. So 
if you aren't willing to put work into a podcast, if you aren't willing to buy the capacity to do that work, then yeah, you probably shouldn't do a podcast. Or or you should understand that what you're trying to do is more complicated and more challenging than maybe you're allowing for. It's not just plugging a microphone into a laptop. It's actually the audience demands that you improve all the time and give them a professional product. They don't accept just a bunch of flash for very long. You might grab them for a couple of months, but to get a monetizable audience that loves what you do, you have to earn it. You know, you couldn't have said that better, Pete, because I've read somewhere where globally there's like 600,000 podcasts in all different, you know, market segments. But the only but the average number of shows is six to seven shows. Right. You know, and then and then the shows just disappear because there's no staying power or the person that developed the show maybe didn't have the funding or they didn't have, really have the heart to, to do it long term. And. And so, which brings up another good point, you know, if you're a CEO and you're thinking about a podcast show, I would suggest to them, the listeners out there, that look at the shows that that have been out there, you know, more than six or seven shows, like your show, Break It Down show with 500 episodes, you know, right there, that show in and of itself, I know that that podcast host, which is you in that case, you do have a following, you have staying power, it's a project you believe in, but but if it's an upstart podcast and people are just looking for just filler, I don't want to just be filler, you right. know, with somebody being interviewed, you know, you being interviewed on my show elevates my show. And we do have a working relationship. There's, there's the disclaimer. Uh, but <laughs> I like what you do. And, uh, and because of what you do and the trust that you build with your audience and the people that you interview, why wouldn't I, as a CEO of a company, want to do podcasting with Pete Turner? Yeah. You know, I mean, think about this. If you look at this in another direction, I, I, I produce just for my own show four episodes a week. So approximately four hours of content every week. If you're a CEO trying to get more attention, why wouldn't, by the way, actively listen to in over 75 countries on this earth, you know, so why wouldn't you want access to that? If you were an international brand, uh, even if you're a regional brand, there's, there are hundreds of people that love what I do. Would you like access to those people and potentially to win them over? Yes. <laughs> yes. Hey, For, hello. You know, yeah, I get it. Yeah. No. Tw- think about this. If you had a sales manager, right, and they're going to work 21, maybe 22 days in, in, in a, a month. That's about how many shows I put out. I'm putting in an hour-long call to your client with my show. And you get to say to them, yeah, buy this soap or, hey, you know, we're glad to sponsor this show. And then I'm going to be because you're helping me out. I'm, and if I believe in your product, I'm going to love up that product and say, listen, these guys are helping me do this show for you guys. It would be awesome if you guys supported them. And you know what's going to happen? They are. They're going to go support that brand. Like I said, when authors come on, the audience buys books because I respect and I love, they aren't the audience. These are my friends. So when a CEO is out there trying to understand a podcast, 20 or so episodes a month, you have the access to like my show in my case, and I'm going to showcase your product in a way that's not obnoxious. It's not a commercial. It's just part of the relationship that we have. And I'm, I'm going to compel my audience to at a minimum be aware of who you are and at best, become a champion for your brand to not only buy it, but recommend it to other people. I don't know where else you can get that for that price. 
I don't think you can. And what one thing, you know, as a CEO decision maker out there, you know, on your marketing and what your branding, you know, tools are, you know, there's no, you know, you mentioned co-host and, you know, I know that one of the co-hosts that you've had has been Scott Husing, sure. Echo and Ramadi and, you know, and you've had other co-hosts and, you know, your co-hosts are just as interesting as the people that you're interviewing, but, you know, it's a quality show. And, you know, so if you're a CEO and you're thinking about, you know, sporting or sponsoring a show, the break it down show is obviously one you want to consider. But even that being said, you know, to build a relationship and to tell the story about your company or whatever you decide to talk about on your show, you're right, Pete, there is no better, more affordable or less expensive way to promote your company through these stories. And so very powerful. Well, I mean, you think about, think about this, John, for what I do, for the cost of one um, p- press release, right? You can have access to a lot of episodes of my show. So you would have multiple press releases going out again to 75 different active listening countries. Every state listens. You would have access to that for the cost of a press release. You know, so I, in the case of my show specifically, and this isn't an infomercial about my show, but but that that is what you're talking about. I mean, if there was someone as the sponsor, Green uh, Straight Outta Combat from Green Zone Hero, you know, you would you would be getting access to millions of minutes of content and all this action for a, a very reasonable cost. I mean, I know what these things cost in real life in terms of a magazine ad or a television spot. So yeah, I mean, I, I know it's a powerful medium. The other thing you can do as a CEO too is. You could say, hey, Pete, I want to hire you to tell the story for me. And uh, I'd like to get some ideas of what stories you would tell. And then I would say, what's your budget? And you would say, I don't know, It's let's say it's $50,000. And I would say, this is how we do this. This is how many episodes we tell. And the, my job as a producer is to blow you away with what I give you. So, so for, in this case, $50,000, let's say you get 25 hours of content that you can just work the heck out of as a marketing tool, you know, just constantly all the pictures, all the short videos, all of the, all the sound quality that comes out. And then the full story itself. Are you kidding me for $50,000? You get all that value, all that time, all that ability to touch an audience. Oh, come on. Oh, I know. I know. You know, I'm thinking, I'm sitting here thinking about these entrenched American companies and this isn't a plug for Lee and parents or Tabasco. But even thinking about companies like that that want to, you know, their brands are already out there. They're well-established. Right. What else do they have to do, right, but sell hot sauce and, and steak sauce? But the reality is, imagine if you could humanize your company and tell us about the history of that company. Do it on the Break It Down show or, and, and tell that story yeah. to make it more interesting. So when you go in there to buy that that bottle of Tabasco, you're going, holy cow, I heard I heard the Break It Down show. Uh-huh. This Tabasco, this has been around 130 years. This is really cool. <laughs> yeah. You know, that, 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 that's the kind of excitement that I think that we're talking about here. And e- even like with Straight Outta Combat, one of the cool things, and this is, again, this is, this is not an infomercial. Right. But, but Pete said, you know, let's do something. Let's break it up a little bit this week. Why don't we do, why don't we do what the show is about, honoring freedom, telling the stories? Why don't we go back to some of your older episodes and, 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 and I know it took you a while to do, but it was excellent. Yeah, thank but, and there you go. So, you know, Pete came up with a cool idea. It sits well. It's another idea for eight or nine or 10 more episodes. And we're actually, we're distilling freedom 
from the very mouths of the people that have helped defend this country. So thank you for that. But, you know, so let me ask you that. Um, What is, you know, and I know you've answered this. So what is, you know, what is the whole freedom American thing mean to you? Oh, it's interesting. Yeah. You know, when I look at freedom, I understand that in a democracy, it requires tolerance. You know, you have to tolerate someone else's freedom. So I'll just use the Colin Kaepernick thing as an example. As a service member, I may personally have a problem with you protesting during the national anthem, you know, and, and say, I don't like that. But as an American and as, as a sheepdog, I'm going to, if I had the opportunity, I'm going to stand like Nate Boyer did with Colin and as an American, render my honor while you do your protest because you get to do that. Um, I wouldn't enjoy it, but if I saw someone burning the flag and that was their form of protest, they're allowed to do that. And that's not something I, I, I don't like burning the flag, but that is their right. And so when I see that, I see freedom being exercised. And even if it makes me uncomfortable, that's how I get to have my own freedom. It's to say, look, like you get to do that. I get to do what I do. As long as you're not hurting anybody, as long as you're not, you know, we're not talking about abuse or not that at all. But I can certainly take you burning the flag and, and I can certainly try to understand what my fellow American has to say. Even though I completely disagree with your position, if I can understand who you are and where you're coming from, I bet there's a lot of things that we agree upon, you know. And so maybe we're not going to solve I don't know, police, uh, the perceptions of police violence in in the black community. Maybe we're not going to solve that problem, but what's a problem we can go solve? Can can the 10 of us right now put enough together, enough money to feed that homeless person for the next month and tell them, you go to Subway whenever you want and then we will pay the bill every month. And now that homeless person at least has a sandwich a day. And I'm not, I'm just making up an example, but we can disagree on everything. But we can agree that we can all pitch in a hundred bucks a piece every month and make sure that person gets to eat. That's a great point. You know, freedom is tolerance. And, you know, in yeah. a world that seems these days it's so intolerant with the anger, anger and the resentment and the finger pointing going on. And, you know, you hit something, Pete, in that answer because you said, I bet we could find things more in common than we have not in common. Yeah. And, and that therein lies the beauty of of the things we can do in America is that, you know, we do have a common ground by virtue of the beliefs that we believe in and you burn the flag. I don't, but yeah. you know what? Have at it. I don't condone it, but yeah. because you're an American and I'm an American, you have that right. Yeah. It, let me, let me put this in a different way. We, we have a problem with immigration, right? And I'm just saying that as a big, big topic, not assigning any kind of blame or anything. Um, Johnny Walker is a friend of mine. He's been on your show. He's, he's an incredible American. He, he was sworn in uh, this winter. Um, when we look and see people who are immigrants to the country, as a nation, we struggle with it. Will they integrate? How come they're not speaking English? How come, how come, how come? Worried, worried, worried. But the reality is, look at Johnny's kids and you'll see American kids. You'll see kids that speak English. Yeah, they speak Arabic too, but they speak English. They wear Western style clothes and they're involved in things that we would all say, man, I love that this country gives them an opportunity and they love it so much that they just embrace it. It might take two generations. That's fine because grandma and grandpa 
I mean, I, how many different people in our nation can say my grandparents only spoke X and they never really figured out why part of America, but you're talking to someone that's like, but I went to college here and they are a hundred percent American. So you give that family two generations and there's nothing they can do, but become Americans. That's freedom. I love that because, you know, and I, I am one of those people, you know, my grandfather on my dad's side never really spoke English. It was broken English. He spoke Croatian and, uh, you know, they raised six kids, you know, they all served the country and, you know, he never really learned the language. And, you know, what would somebody say about that guy today? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, you look pretty English. American to me. American. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's not American. And, and, you know, even though he might've had issues with the Serbians, which I don't, uh, but, but you're, you're 110% right. That freedom means freedom is deeper than just the word. Yeah. Yeah. No, it really is. And, and, and it's such a gift. But it's like anything else. It's hard one. You have to go out and you have to work it. You know, if if you, especially with immigration, and I, I say this all the time, if you see opportunity in our country, and, and we here struggle to see this, if you see so much opportunity here, so much freedom, but you're desperate to leave your homeland, your mother country, to come here and say, I dare anybody to give me a chance to go there. Well, then come on. You want to walk across a desert to come here? Then come on. Let's go. Let's get you. Let's get you over here so you can try to f- figure out what your dream is and get to living. I, I'm so pro people coming and taking that chance on themselves because that, those are the people that we want in general. You're laying down everything and saying I can do this. There, come on. I want you on my team. Awesome. You know, and that's probably my grandparents probably heard a guy like you, and that's exactly what they did. They boarded a boat with a, a few suitcases and you know, cross the Atlantic and, and, and then the rest is history. Right. Um, how can people get a hold of you and, and tell us about the different contact ways? It's, so, I mean, you can email me directly at Pete at breakitdownshow.com. That's easy. But uh, on any kind of social media, Pete A. Turner, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram, I'm on LinkedIn. I've got a zillion LinkedIn contacts. So just look for Pete A. Turner and, and I'm glad to help you. Uh, I have a lot of ideas on podcasting, so I love to help people do it. It's what I do for a living. So if you're trying to figure out a podcast, whether you're a person, a brand, or a company, great. Let me know. I'd be glad to help you. And just anywhere, Pete A. Turner. That's awesome. And I can assure you, he does. his ideas are always coming out. He's always looking at better ways to improve format and sound quality. And you know, even in the, the, uh, the editing and the format of the show. Um, do you have a, a special quote or a mantra that you live by that, uh, that has helped you get through the challenges of your life? Do you have one? You know, I, I, I have several that I use, but, um, certain ones stick out and I'm, I'm an action guy, you know, you can't tell by, by all my combat stuff, you know, I want to be out front and I want to do things. So, opportunity is is comes from doing you know my show is created 500 episodes by doing and that's why all the opportunity comes in so i like to just say let's go let's go let's err on the side of jumping and doing and then yeah sometimes you're going to fall on you're going to break your leg but uh you're also going to you know get hurt not doing anything so i would rather fail doing something than to not so i would say my mantra is let's go
I love that. So, you know, there you have it, Mr. Pete Turner of the Break It Down Show, U.S. Army veteran, true blue American, believes that freedom is all about tolerance, which it is, and the deeper meanings of podcasting and what it can do for your company. All I can say is that you have helped this show out immensely, not just by being on it twice now, but by giving me tips and tools of the trade and things that I can do to make it even better. You've certainly motivated me. You've elevated our show, and I'm forever indebted and I'm humbled and honored to have you again, Pete. I just wanted to wish you uh, more success. And I'm looking for the chance when I can go to the West Coast or you can come here to Florida to visit. We can actually, you know, we can raise some a cup of Java together or something. I don't know. Well, John, let me say this to you because it's we've had a great relationship. We continue to have a great relationship. And you putting me to work validates me and a lot wants makes me want to stay alive. And I mean that 100% graphically. You know, because I do struggle with depression and PTSD, and I, you know, basically every day I have I have suicidal ideation, and I'm I'm in no threat of doing it, but it doesn't mean that that trigger is always going off in my head. And being able to work with you, having some stability financially, and you know, and and, and the rate that I work for is very reasonable, as you know. That stability has really given me a chance to create a foundation where I can really survive and now start to thrive and uh, i couldn't have done that without your your help and your generosity and your time and all the conversations that we have so as as much as you're feeling great about it i i I can't even say it's it's you've helped me save my life man thank you (laughs) well you know you're welcome and uh all i can say is that i'm glad that you're here and uh, and so are millions of listeners out there. And I know that you're going to do some great things. And I know that working with you has been a joy for me as well and uh, has also given me some purpose. And uh, I, I definitely appreciate the tips that you've given me. And I look forward to being part of the legacy that you're creating. And uh, and we can make America a better place together. And, and that really means a lot. And, you know, you know, I, I've got some tears. You know, I'm not a big baby, but... <laughs> But thank you, thank you for recognizing that. I appreciate you, brother. Before they burn it down. Thank you for listening to another episode of Straight Out of Combat Radio, audio medicine from Green Zone Hero. If you liked what you heard, then tell others about us. Like us and download us. And please remember, freedom is not free, and combat veterans are vital assets. They're not broken.